that, that desires to see someone else blessed, even if it means sacrifice for me. We give so that others may believe. Now this week um, is, is the beginning of a, the, a series called The Storyteller. And uh, The Storyteller is all about, or is going to focus each week on a different parable of Jesus. Now, here's the thing about parables. Here's the thing about this, this type of, this type of uh, I guess you say, biblical literature. The parables, um, so when Jesus told a parable, he wasn't ever telling a literal story. Or, 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 or recounting something that literally happened. So like, today we're going to talk about the parable of the talents. Next week, parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep. The week after that, the parable of the lost son. Or you might know it as the parable of the prodigal son. And, um, and oftentimes we, we talk about these stories as if Jesus was recounting an, a, a personal experience that he had with a father and two sons and one that went away and one that stayed but that's not the case in fact parables were used uh, before jesus and they were used after jesus you and i we use parables today we might not call them that but we use parables um, basically what what we have to understand about parables is that is that they were they were used they were tools that jesus used to communicate a specific message or principle all right jesus used storytelling as a conduit to communicate truth jesus would tell a story and through the use of that story he would communicate god's truth to those who were listening to the story and sometimes he was very explicit in the way that he he explained or described, okay, so here's what the story means. We're gonna, we'll see an, an example like that when, when Jesus um, talks about the parable of the sower, right? And the disciples ask, Lord, we don't get the story, right? And Jesus says, okay, 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 I, I get it. So um, the seed that's cast in the hard ground is this, and the seed that's cast in the fertile ground is this, the seed that's cast around the the rocks is this and so jesus goes on to explain the underlying point behind the story and it's a very creative way to communicate truth you know because uh, a person can stand up um, and say all right I, go, I want you to i want you to write down these three things that are true these three spiritual truths a b and c all right go ahead go do them Go press them down into your life. But, you know, there's a, a funny thing is that the, we always think, right, that our, the gaps in our lives, we always think that the lack in our lives is just we don't have enough information, right? So when something is broken in our lives or when there's a, a big gap, like we, we, we know we're supposed to be over here, but we're over here and we can't, we can't get there. What we do, maybe, just, maybe it's just me, is we think, well, I just don't have enough information, right? I just, I need someone to tell me what the, what the information is that I'm missing 
that is producing that gap in my life. And see, in, in, a, in a world that is called the information age, right, where just about every answer to every question is at your, literally at your fingertips, right? I think we have come to believe or come to understand that we don't lack information. What we lack is inspiration. We, we, lack, we lack the vehicle that gets information from our head to our heart. That, that, that takes information and transforms it into, into actionable, inspiring, changing my life type of content. And that's what a story does. Right? A, a, a story does that. A story inspires. A, a story, it takes, it takes a seed, right? And instead of just throwing the seed on the ground and hoping that it grows, a story, uh, a story takes the soil, right? And it turns it over. And it maybe puts some, some fertilizer on it. And, and it puts a little fence around it so the animals can't get to it, right? Um, a, a story makes sure that seed goes in soil that is going to produce growth, that is going to produce health. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that just because you hear a story that these things are going to be immediately pressed into your life. But what it does is it helps us understand why Jesus, the Son of God, right, who could have, I mean, more than anyone else could have stood on the Mount of Olives like he did here um, with his disciples and just say, do this, do this, and do this because of this. He could have done that, right? Um, but he used story because his desire was not to just rule by divine decree. But just say, do this because if you don't, this is going to happen. Do stuff like that. Say stuff like that. But his real desire was not just to give people information, but to inspire them. What to ins inspire them with God's truth. To, to tell stories that communicated God's truth. And that's what the parables are all about. They're about telling stories that communicate the truth of God. And so over the next 10 weeks, um, 10 weeks or so, we're going to tell, uh, we're going to recount the different stories that Jesus told. And what is the truth they communicate, okay? And, and they're, it's vast. Uh, it's really vast. Um, today, we're going to talk about the parable of the talents. Now, this is not talent show, right? Not blindfolded juggling, right? Not singing a bad karaoke so, uh, song. Um, not, uh, you know, tap, tap dancing talents, right? Uh, not talents. Talents were a, a unit of monetary measure, all right? So um, if, you know, if you will, you could say this is the, the parable of the dollar bills, dollar, the parable of the Benjamins. We're, we're changing it, okay? Parable of the Benjamins, right? Um, because it is, about, uh, it is about money, all right? About resources, about stewardship about the entrusting of resources um, to other people. Uh, so open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 25. Um, Matthew 
Bless you. Before we uh, read Matthew chapter 25, we're all going to pray for uh, Shannon because she's wearing a New England Patriots shirt this morning. <laughs> Yeah. Lord Jesus, save her from her ignorance and hard-heartedness. <laughs> Billy's about to drop an elbow back there. Uh, Bill's shirt. Okay, so Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 14. This is Jesus talking here, okay? Uh, Jesus says, again, it will be like a man who is going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to one another one talent, each according to their ability. Then he went on his journey. And the man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. And so also the one... With the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants turned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents, and see, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with, the other, with two talents also came and he said, Master, he said, you have entrusted me with two talents and see, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man who had received one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed? Well then, maybe you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has been given more, or everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance, and whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. Verse 30, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jeez, Jesus, chill out. <laughs> but, but seriously, you know, we have, we have like this, we, we, we do often have this buddy image of Jesus, right? Like, it's all right. Don't worry. No matter what, it's okay. Right? I several times Jesus shocked his audience by saying things like this. You know? You weren't faithful with what I gave you. And then, not only were you not faithful with what I gave you, you then blamed, it on, you blamed your unfaithfulness 
on me. Right? You, you've shown that if I were to give you more, you wouldn't be able to handle that because you couldn't even handle the one thing. Right? So let me, let me give the, the bulk of what I have to the ones that I know will treat it in a way that's honoring to me. And, and, and you, I'm certainly not your master because you're not even, you're, you're not following me. Um, and so, yeah, there is, a, there is a stark reality to this. And it's even more stark because this parable is not separated contextually from the rest of Jesus' gospel, okay? Because you have to ask the question, well, how did Jesus even get on this story? What was the point here? Why, why was Jesus telling this, okay? And to understand that, we have to, um, we have to go over um, to, uh, back over to chapter 24, because that's where this whole, whole thing starts, all right? Uh, in chapter 24, verses 1 through 3, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, Jesus says? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. In verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him, tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And then Jesus goes and he, he talks about how um, it's like labor pains, right? It's like a woman who is, who is giving birth. She's pregnant. Um, labor pains are coming and they're, they're foreshadowing the, the birth of a child. And then he tells a parable um, uh, that we know as the parable of the ten virgins, right? And then he goes into this parable, the parable of the talents, but it has a, a purpose and a context that it sits in. And the context is that his disciples asked, hey, Jesus, how are we going to know or tell us a little bit about life in between when you leave and ascend back into heaven and when you come back again? And so the context of the parable is, is, is seated right in where you and I are right now. We're in the we're we're in the in-between, right? Jesus has ascended into heaven, right, some two thousand odd years ago, promised that he will return, and here the disciples would then sit, and you and I currently sit in in that in that time period we are um as the parable states we are we are living in the the journey season right where the where the master right calls his servants and says all right i'm going on a long journey here are here are my things here are my resources here are all my dollar bills right you've been following me right i'm your I'm your master. You are, my, you are my servants. You know what to do. I'll be back. It's the journey, right? 
So Jesus is explaining via a parable, right? Via a story, the reality of the situation. He's framing reality for them. Jesus, what, what, will, be, what will it be like at the end? And what are going to be the signs of your, of your coming age? Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Jesus answers the question with a parable. All right? So that's the, that's the season that we're sitting in, right? That's, the, that's where you and I are right now. We're, our, our master has gone on a journey, and he has entrusted things to us. And we're, we're, now, we're now waiting for him to return. And the question will be, what have you done with what he has entrusted with you? What will, what will be the conversation that the master has with the servant in your home when he returns? See, there's a lot of principles at stake here. And the wonderful thing about parables is that some of them are like are very pinpoint um, principles that Jesus wants to get across. Others, right, you got to kind of have to be like, hmm, well, I can see this from several different angles. There's a lot of spiritual principles going on here. I mean, think about the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, right? Are you going to see it from the perspective of the father are you going to see it from the perspective of the son that went away are you going to see it from the perspective of the son who stayed right and depending on where you're standing in the story will really change what you the the truth of god that's communicated to you and and parables are a lot like that that's such a brilliant device to communicate truth but here's one thing that is almost impossible to miss from this parable it's that it's it's this right don't don't miss this okay if you hear anything hear this this morning in in the the parable and in my life and in your life there is a master there is a master and the master has complete control and and and, and, and what the master says goes. And the master owns it all. Now this is, not a, this is not a popular statement, right? There are masters, there is a master, and there are servants. I'm no one's servant, right? I'm a strong independent, opinionated, educated, can take care of myself, don't need anyone's help. I, me, I, I am the master, right? There's this, um, there's this poem that was written by a guy named um, William Ernest Henley. A poem called Invictus. Do you know this poem? Invictus. Let's, let's read, uh, I'm going to read this poem. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. 
In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Oh, it's a beautiful poem, right? It's like one of those want to take out my sword, like charge the battlefield, feel like super puffed up and tough. There's something strong about it, right? But there could not be a spiritual principle more, um, more defensive to the lordship of Jesus Christ than I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. That, that's not in the Christian language. That's not, in the, that's not even in the Christian psyche. When we declare that Jesus is Lord, we're not just, Lord is not Jesus' last name, right? Lord is a title that is bestowed upon one who rules over everything in his or her domain. The scripture says in Psalm chapter 24, verses uh, 1 and 2, says this, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. The earth is the Lord's. And everything in it. He is the master. We are the servants. You know, it's funny because, I don't want to say funny, but there are, um, you know, we, all, we should always be, and I will, I, I will stand by this, we, we should always be um, careful about the words that come out of our mouths. For many reasons, of course, right? should be exceedingly careful when um, you stand to worship the Lord, right? And you begin to sing. Because you're, you're, making, you're making declarations, right? You're making, you're making proclamations. You're, you're, you're allowing your, your spirit to, to overflow to the Lord, right? That's what worship is. And, um, and we sing songs like this morning. We sing songs um, that had these, these words in it. It all belongs to you. Right? It all belongs to you. It all belongs to you. It all belongs to you, Jesus. With the first song we sang, I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. And then there's the, the older version of that song. All to you. I surrender all. All to you. My blessed Savior, I surrender all. Man, do you know what the Lord hears when you sing that song? 
he hears that you surrender all. <laughs> when, when, when you sing the words, it all belongs to you, you, you know what he hears? He, he hears you making a declaration of understanding everything that you have belongs to him. It all belongs to you, Lord. Okay. I got a plan then. But what I've found in my heart is that sometimes, like, especially I surrender all, every time that song comes up in the playlist or we start singing, like, I mean, I got to, like, check my heart, right? Because I would be like, I surrender some. I surrender some, only the things that are really easy. I surrender some. Right? Instead of I surrender all. Which, which shows an orientation of generosity to the Lord, right? So um, it's clear, um, it's clear that there is a master in the parable, that the, that the master owns it all, and that the master has servants. And then we see in verses like verse 14, right at the beginning there, uh, he called to his servants and entrusted his property to them. In verse 20, he reaffirms that. The servants understand that. You entrusted these five talents to me, and I have, I have turned them into five more talents. You have entrusted these two talents to me. I have turned them into two more talents. Right? So that there's this understanding that what the master has has been entrusted, not given with no, um, not given with no strings. Right? Not a, here it is. It's all you... I, I'm not going to hold you to account for what it is. I'm not going to ask you what you did with it. Um, just, just consider it, consider it like completely yours. That's not the language, right? The language here is that the master retains ownership. The, the, the master retains it as being his, and he simply, for the length of his journey, gives it to his servants that they may do with it what he expects. And there's kind of this assumed understanding of the master's expectations when it comes to his resources. Because it's very clear that the master had expectations, right? Because when he comes back, right, the servants are eager to say what they did with it. But what happens here is that um, verse 8 by verse... Between verse 14 and 18, you hear the whole story, all right? How, how the story ends up, and then he diverges, Jesus diverges to tell the two parts of the story. So when he gets to, like, um, verse 16, the man who had received five talents went at once, put his money to work, gained five more. Verse 17, so also the one with two talents gained two more. Verse 18, but the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. That's pretty much the gist of what happened, right? But now he goes on, verses 19, through the rest of the chapter to tell the balance of the story. And we have the story like of two diverging paths here, okay? So the first thing is you have the, 
the two people who had five talents and the two talents, all right? It, um, there's a different way that, that they're talked about in the story than, a, than the one person who had the one talent. And, and it's like this. If you see, um, particularly in verse 16, okay? So look at your Bible. See it with me. Matthew chapter 25, verse 16. The man who had received the five talents did what? He went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents who gained two more. There was a, there was a urgency apparent for the master's work. There was, a, there was an understanding that what was given to them was not to be held on to, was, was, not to be, um, was not to be like coddled or hoarded or, or stuffed in the pockets, that, that, there was a, that there was an urgency to use every bit of resource that the master has entrusted to him to, to fulfill the master's expectations, right? Urgency for the work of the master because they knew that everything that they had didn't really belong to them anyway. They were just doing what the master would want them to do with what he had given to them. But then on the other hand, there was the other guy, right? And the other guy, we can all like bum, bum, bum. The other guy comes along in the story, in verse 24, the man who had received the one talent came. Okay? He said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Verse 25, listen to this, don't miss this, all right? So I was afraid. I was afraid. I dug a hole and I buried, I buried your talent in the hole. Uh, so here it is. See, there's, there's really two, two different paths that we, can, that we can travel down, right, as servants of the master, okay? We can live in a perpetual state of urgency to fulfill the master's work using all of the resources that he has entrusted to us in that purpose. Whether it be five or four or three or two or even one, right? So we can live in an urgency for the work of the master, leveraging every bit of resource entrusted to us, being a, be, simply being a conduit of entrusted resource. So it flows in and goes what? Out. Or we can live in a perpetual state of fear. I'm afraid. Ah, I've only got, I've only got one, right? I only got this one thing. Like, like Gollum, the Lord of the Rings, right? He's got this ring. Right? He's just doting over it. My precious, my precious. Right? I got this one thing. Right? Don't want to lose it. Not only do I, not, I don't, I don't want to lose it. I don't want to use it either. Can't, can't possibly be expected to do anything with this one talent. Right? Oh, I got an idea. I'll just bury it. 
I'll dig a hole. You know what holes usually symbolize? Death. Destruction. Right? Psalm chapter 7. The man digs a hole or a pit and then he falls in it. Reaping destruction upon his head. Right? What do we do when someone dies? We dig a hole and we put them in it. Right? I'm going to dig a hole and I'm going to put that in that because that's where talents go to die. Right? Fear. You, you, live, you live in an, in an urgency for the master's work or you live in a perpetual state of fear. What's interesting to me is that the two who used the talents um, faithfully understood that, um, that what the master had entrusted to them was to be used now. Now. Use it now. Don't sit on it. Don't wait. Don't bury it. Don't, don't, don't hide it. Don't, don't wait to use it until you're uh, more stable. More secure. I just got to hold on to this stuff and just, I'm going to get to the next season of my life, the next, the next stage of my life. I just got to, you know, get, get settled and, 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 and then, man, whew, what, man, Lord, what you've given to me, then it's just going to like everything I got all the time, everything I got all the time, everything I got all the time. No, they understood that the season for using what the master had entrusted to them was not the season coming, it was the season when. It was the season now. Why? Because they didn't have any idea when the master was returning from the journey. That it was, it was not a wait until the right moment. It was a, the right moment is now. And if there's anything that we learned last week, it was this, right? Last week we talked about how um, if you're waiting to be generous, if you're waiting to be generous until you have a lot, you won't be generous when you have a lot. Because generosity is not, a, is not a measure of amounts, right? It's not about how much I have in my account, right? Generosity is a trajectory of my heart. It's a, it's a desire to, to overflow with, with sacrifice no matter what I have or don't have. And Paul himself says that in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, or 8, 17, right? And it's the same, the same true is true here so we have that they're uh they're entrusted with it there was an urgency that was marked with action right the the two and then the one he he buried and hid it in fear we see in verse 25 he he saw it he saw it necessary to protect to hide to hoard to hold on to like it was his to manage, right? Like it, like it actually belonged to him. Like, like, like somehow he was the one that got to decide whether or not it was used for the master's purposes or not. He had a little Invictus complex going on, right? And it was, it was living with an attitude of scarcity, right? Well, I only have one. 
and I'm so afraid of losing one, I'm going to bury it so it makes sure it doesn't grow legs and run away. Because when we, when we get so, when we, when we, um, when we allow our hearts to be ruled by a, an attitude of scarcity, right? Nothing is ever enough. If we're always just catching up to the next moment, right? But what is very clear is that the master operates in an attitude of abundance. So the big point in verses 19 through 26 is that the master doesn't stay away forever, correct? He comes back. He comes to, he calls his servants back. He returns, his servants are brought before him, right? And the first two servants have great news. Great, awesome, awesome news. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, settled in accounts with them. Verse 19 and 20, the man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Well, <laughs> hold on a second, master. Um, you mean, so the reward for being responsible is that I get more responsibility. Responsibility is heavy right? Well, yes. The reward for being responsible is that you get more responsibility, right? But it's not just that you get more responsibility. The, the, the master does not just want you to share in the responsibility. He wants you to share in the joy, right? Come and share your master's happiness, it's not just a, oh, you've done really good with a little. I'm going to give you a lot more. No, it's like, come and experience my holy delight. My deep down from the bottom, the soles of your feet to the top of your head, you will experience the same happiness and joy that the master experiences. Why? Because that which I have entrusted to you, you have, you have proven yourself faithful. Does it, with the same, uh, does it with the same guy who had two talents, the very same thing, right? I will give you more. Come and experience. Come and share in the master's happiness. You know what's crazy here? is that um, the master doesn't say, hey, guy with five talents, you get twice the amount of happiness that the guy with two talents had. I'm going to give you twice the amount of happiness because you had twice the amount of talents. Right? See, it's, a, it's again another picture, just how like generosity is not about amounts, right? You can be, you can be generous with a dollar. You can be generous with a hundred dollars. Generosity is not about how much I have, right? It's about wh what my heart wants to do with what I do have. Um, but it's not about amounts here. 
right? It's very clearly not about a mouth because the person that has the five talents has the, it gets, the, gets the same proclamation of, of happiness, gets the same proclamation of you, you proved yourself faithful. Um, here, I'm going to give you more and you're going to prove yourself faithful. Oh, I'm going to give you more, right? And you're going you're gonna to share in my, in my happiness. It's not about, right, blessing and happiness given from the master to the servant is not about uh, um, the, the servants having equal amounts at the end of the day or producing equal results. It's about that master seeing and understanding the orientation of the servant's heart because of what they did with what was entrusted to them. What are you doing with what is entrusted to you? The question is not how much is entrusted to me. I don't have much entrusted to me. You have everything that you have has been entrusted to you. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything you have has been entrusted to you. It's not a, it's not, it's not a, the question is not, well, how much is, how much can I do with what I have? The question is, what are you doing with what you have? Verses 28 and 29. We see the response of the master to the servant who only buried the talent. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has been given, or who, everyone who has will be given more and he will have abundance. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. There's one thing that we can learn from this, it's that, is that when we hold tight, when we hold clo- with a closed fist to the things that God has entrusted to us as if they are ours, God takes them away. When we hold tight to the things that God has entrusted to us as if they are ours, God will take them away. God gives in abundance to those whom have shown good and trusting habits. Who use and leverage and activate and employ what they do have in service to the master. Jesus uses the parable of the talents as a conduit to describe his expectations for how we use our resources. Do not be mistaken. Do not, do not think that God does not care what you do with what you have worked hard for. Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And Jesus uses the parable of the talents and some more 
as a conduit to describe the master's expectations for how what is entrusted to us is used, is employed. Now God entrusts many things to many people. God, God entrusts financial wealth, financial means. God in, entrusts material wealth, right? I have a home, I have a car, I have um, possessions, I have, this is not my only outfit, right? I also, like, have been entrusted, not, not just with material things or financial things or anything like that, but I've, I've been entrusted with people, Right? You've been entrusted with relationships in your life. God has, God has, God has brought relationships into your life, other, other people into your life. How are you, are you, are you managing and steward, stewarding them in a way that is honoring to God, right? The people that he entrusts to you. How, how, how is it that God, what, to what account will God... Um, Will God call you when, when he returns, when Jesus returns from the journey? There is a master. We are the servants. The master has entrusted things to us. He has entrusted, our, he has entrusted his money to us. He has entrusted his resources to us. He has entrusted everything to us how will you use it will you will you use it in such a way where you can eagerly and urgently run to him when he returns saying master look at what has been done with what you entrusted me to or will you be looking for your shovel because for your whole life you've been living in fear. I can't lose it. I can't lose it. Ah, and I'll hold really tight to it. I'll hold really tight to it. Hold really tight to it. Hold really tight to it. God will take it away. God will take it away. Uh, let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for... Um, thank you for the miracle of your word lord we know that you're you, you speak to us through your word we thank you father for just the amazing way in which um jesus used parables stories to communicate spiritual truth father over the next uh few weeks the next two months or so lord pray that each story would bring a fresh would bring a fresh message of your truth into our lives. That, uh, Lord, you would communicate to us that your Holy Spirit would, would make the truth of your word come alive in our hearts, Father. And in particular this morning, Lord, may we have the grace to see every single thing that we have. Lord, yes, every single thing that we have as something that you have entrusted to us, Lord. May we be faithful. 
even when we think, well, this is just a small thing. This is just a little thing, Lord. This is just, how can this be, how can this mean anything, Lord? And we know that the way in which we handle and steward small things is indicative of the measure of which we will uh, steward large things. Lord, show us as a church to be a body that is faithful, that can be entrusted, Lord, with resources for the benefit of our Master, Jesus. Lord, we want to be that church. We want to be those people. We want to be the people that the Master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy my happiness. Amen.